Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you, too. This is Gloria J. Brown Marshall, and this is Law of the Land. It's been a while, but I felt it was a special day, and therefore a time we need to come together, a time we need to exercise our voice, which is our vote, in our various communities, whether or not you are one of the over 40 million people who are already voters who have voted in this midterm election, or you're going to the polls like myself today to cast that vote. I want to make sure you cast it and that you then go out with two other people by telephone, cell phone, knock on the door, somebody you know who is registered but who has not voted. Go get them, give them a little nudge, give them a big nudge, take them over there, walk them over there again. It's still a beautiful day. It's November and it's still not snowing outside. It's not cold. It's not rainy. It's a little on the chilly side, but good voting weather. So find two other people after this broadcast, of course, and go to the polls with them. All of you early voters, thank you so much for your voice and your vote. I want to first start off with my trip last week to the U.S. Supreme Court, and then I'm going to bring in a very highly ranked person, a person who's really in the know nationally about our politics. And then I'm going to open up the phone lines for those of you who are locally here to talk about our elections. But that won't be for a while, so don't let those fingers get too itchy and start calling now. It's not time yet. We've got a lot to talk about first. Let me begin with my trip to the U.S. Supreme Court last week. I was in the court, in the press box, on Monday to hear the oral arguments in the case against Harvard as well as University of North Carolina, challenging their affirmative action programs. And just to let you know, affirmative action has not, does not right now, hasn't for a good 30, 40 years used quotas. Quotas have been ruled unconstitutional since 1978 um, in that Bakke case. But race can be used as one element and in certain instances is one of 40 different elements, factors in looking at an applicant's um Admission, one factor, and even though it's only one factor, um, for example, the other factors include whether or not um, English is spoken as a first language in the home. If the person who's an applicant is coming from an immigrant family, if it's a single parent or a dual parent household, what is the income of that household? What is the overall income of the high school that applicant attended? Was it a high school with a high level of people receiving free lunch? Um, there are so many different elements and factors, but... These people have and continue to attack on the issue of race. And so um, this attack on the issue of race was one heard in which we have a supermajority of conservatives who showed their disdain for the most part or questioning, quizzical, um, sarcastic in some instances, whether or not even race is one element among many um, it should be held as constitutional or whether or not having race as even one element is unconstitutional. Um, the 
um, oldest serving black justice on the Supreme Court, Justice Clarence Thomas, asked repeatedly of those who were supporters of affirmative action before him in the court, what does affirmative action have to do with education? He kept asking that as though he is completely perplexed, but then we know he does have um, perplexed problems and complex problems because um, he seems to be um, in a a situation in which, um, let's just say, he's unsure of where he is in the world. Um, Someone who has been a recipient of affirmative action in his life, and yet he turns around and says affirmative action is worse than Jim Crow segregation and and attuned to slavery. Um, We also had a chance, we being the Queens, we, me, um, to see um, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson on the bench and the press box, if you're in the, the second tier, and I am in the press box, um, it's very difficult to see the full bench. Um, this this courthouse, of course, was built um, well over 100 years ago. And so this this idea of having a press that would be this large was not thought of back then. And so all the seats we have are behind pillars and such. And so I could only see Katanji Brown Jackson, Justice Jackson. So that was a, a true delight that I could actually see this woman after you know the first black female lawyer, Charlotte Ray, in 1872. So, of course, it was with great pleasure professionally as well as personally for me to actually see after 150 years, from the time Charlotte Ray became a member of the bar in 1872 to see Justice Katanji Brown Jackson speaking on this issue of affirmative action. She, of course, recused herself from the Harvard case because she is on the board of overseers at Harvard. So that's why she was not um, part of the decision making of that case. But she was very vocal on the North Carolina case. Um, I also want you to know that because there is a supermajority of conservatives, there are six um, including the Chief Justice, that affirmative action will probably be struck down. And I'm sure that um, Clarence Thomas would be delighted to write the opinion striking it down. Um, I also want to uh, make you aware of another case that you should hear. Remember, you can go to the U.S. Supreme Court's website to hear these oral arguments yourself. What I like to do is to be in the room so I can give you the firsthand sense of the tone, the feel of the room. The room was not packed that way, the way it normally would be during a Supreme Court case um, with such controversy. There were some protesters from Harvard and, and um, in front of the building. I thought that was a really neat thing to see some of the students I actually interact with as a fellow at um, the Harvard Kennedy School this semester to see them actually out front. They traveled down from um, Cambridge and Boston area down to Washington, D.C. I think it's important for young people to pay attention to what's happening in the U.S. Supreme Court because they saw that this will affect their lives. Um, So with all of these issues before the court, they will affect us directly and indirectly. And so I want you to pay attention to know the schedule of the arguments and the issues before the court will be on the U.S. Supreme Court website. When you have a chance, please go to that website so you can listen to these oral arguments. You can see what issues are affecting your lives. Um, I also want to reach out as we go into this season of Thanksgiving of a case that's going to be heard on November 9th, dealing with the adoption of Native American children. And for 
the history, early history of this country, Native American children were taken away from their households and adopted across the country or put in boarding schools never to see their parents again. And these boarding schools were like little labor camps where they found mass graves afterwards where these native children were were either killed or died under these horrendous conditions. And many people who have survived those um, boarding schools, they were called, um, were scarred, psychologically scarred, uh, traumatized by the experiences they had. They were not allowed to speak their languages. They were not allowed to practice their religions. Their hair were, were, was cut. Their clothing had to be Western um, American clothing. And brothers and sisters were kept apart. There was sexual abuse and physical violence. A lot of horrible things happened in these boarding schools. And the idea was to break the Native American spirit and assimilate them into the white thinking and the white world. This, and it was called, and this was the way it was called. This, and I mean no offense, but I just want to let you know. It was called Kill the Indian, Save the Man. That was an actual phrase used. That was the philosophy, the policy, break these children, take them away from their parents, break their spirits, take out anything of their culture, then reformulate them into an assimilated white American as best you could. And of course, that has its own problems. And to this day, we have so many people trying to be assimilated into what we call this white America, whether or not you're from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, China, wherever uh, Asian country or whatever it may be, African, um, people are trying to assimilate into whiteness. It's not possible. It leads to, as just Justice Sotomayor said, a fractured person. That's what she called it. I actually heard her speak about this um, live in New York City at Cooper Union. She said it leads to a fractured person. Because in your mind, if you're thinking, oh, I'm a white person, you look in the mirror and you see you're not, you're a fractured person. You then have to look at your, your family who look like you and wonder, why do I look different? You know, you're a fractured person. You should be the best person you should be. You should be the person that you have inside of you to be fulfilling the potential that you have. And to take young people, K through 12, think about how young they are, to take them to try to break their spirits, to break them away from their customs, their religions, their beliefs, their families, and tell them that whatever you were before is not good enough and you'll never be as good as a white person but wherever you were was not good at all we're going to find something in between kill the indian save the man these child adoption cases now before the court because white people want to go back to adopting native children and the issue is is this racism to prevent white um, parents are white um, people who want to adopt Native children from adopting them based on the history of abuses that have taken place over time. The, the law says at this point that every effort would be made to put Native children in the homes of Native parents or of Native uh, relatives. So this issue, is it racism? Is it one in which it's the best interest of the child? Or do we just throw history out of the window? As we see so many times, we're coming up to a holiday that's being celebrated, Thanksgiving, based on history. We have Memorial Day by its very name, based on remembering history. 
We have the 4th of July, based on what happened in 1776. Why? Remembering history. Labor Day is about history. These days with President's Day, about history. And yet when it comes to people of color, when it comes to thinking about what this country has done that is nefarious at best, now all of a sudden we don't want to know about history. I want us to think about the hypocrisy of that. Think about that as we go into our discussion with our guest. We're looking at the past, but we're also looking at the present, these midterm elections, and what these midterm elections are going to mean for us going forward, and the history of voter suppression in this country in which we've had time and time again the black vote, which has been pivotal to this country since the 1800s and 1870 when the first black man found the right to vote in our Constitution based on the 15th Amendment. Black people were voting before that. But remember, they took those votes away, took away voting powers for black communities. And little by little, even in New York City, it took a civil war. Then it took, of course, the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendment, the 15th Amendment giving black men the right to vote. No women could vote at that time in the 1800s. And you had black voters. You had black U.S. Um, U.S. Uh, senators. You had U.S. Um, there's so many U.S. Um, lieutenant governors. You, I mean, you had U.S. lieutenant governors, you had U.S. Uh, representatives, you had U.S. people in the, across the country. When I say U.S., I mean United States, our United States had black voters and black men in positions of political power. And that ended through law and violence in this country and voter suppression. The poll tax, it ended with a grandfather clause. It ended with so much. And so we're looking at Jim Crow, too. We're looking at here in the 21st century, so many things happening again. Where are we with our midterm elections? We are going to find out because it's all up in the air. It's all so much, but I don't want you to think it's overwhelming. We're going to discuss it right after this musical break with Raul Avalier. And he has been the national political director at the Democratic National Committee. He's going to help us figure it out. Will this go around in circles? Who knows, but we'll find out. We'll get more information. We'll be empowered and inspired right after this message. Will it 
go round in circles, and that's Billy Preston. Will it fly high like a bird? Will it crash to the ground? We're here with Raul Avalar, who is a former national political director at the Democratic National Committee. Please help us out. Will it go round in circles? Will it crash to the ground? What do you think, Raul? <laughs> well, uh, that, that that is the question, right? Um, but I, I, I do think there's a couple of things. Um, uh, you know, this this midterms usually tend to go against the sitting president that's been in office at, uh, at this point. But what I will say are two things. One, I think that the fact that a lot of these races, particularly in the Senate, Senate are so close um, and you know, might be nail biters or even go off into a runoff, uh, like the Ossoff, I'm sorry, the, the, the Warnock, um, you know, race in, in Georgia. Uh, so I think the fact that we're so close right now in an off year is, is, is promising. Um, and I will, the second thing that I will say is that in 2010, um, it was a, it was a different feeling. You could just feel it in the air that this was not going to go our way. This was not going to be, um, going to be fruitful for the Democrats. And the fact that I had to go to California to help on the Barber Boxer race in 2010 was a clear indicator of where we were. Um, and I think this year uh, that isn't the case. I think, you know, we, we are going to probably lose some races um, in, in the House, but I don't think it's going to be um, as, as, as uh, detrimental as, as some may say that it will be. Uh, so that's kind of my prediction and what I'm thinking at this point in time. Well, then let's break that down even more. Um, the question, the big question now, you worked in the Obama campaign. Um, you were mm-hmm. pivotal in trying to predict where the weak spots were and then trying mm-hmm. to shore up those weak spots. Are we going to lose the Senate? I, I, like I, I mentioned earlier, I don't think we're going to. I, I, I don't think I, I'm feeling strong and I'm feeling confident that we will keep the Senate. Now, will we know tonight or tomorrow morning? Possibly not. Uh, again, I think uh, the uh, race in Georgia, the Senate race in Georgia, uh, Warnock is going to be uh, a, a nail-biter and it's going to probably go into a runoff. But why is it why is that a nail biter? I mean, we have a, a, a minister who is competent, who has worked in the community for a very long time. We have an ex-football player who says he's born again Christian, who's been a, in domestic violence episodes, you know, paid for abortions, lied many times, and may have some brain injuries <laughs> based on his sporting past, and yet it's a nail biter. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. It boggles the mind, doesn't it? Um, you know, in future or in past years, if this was the case, we, this would have been done and over and, and we could, could walk away. Uh, but I think what's happening now, the fact that the Republicans are going all in on these types of races just so that they can make sure that they win a Senate race so that they can maintain the power that they want or get regain rather in this instance uh, the power that they feel they have lost they will go in all in you know you had Senator Cotton there uh, you know campaigning for Herschel Walker um, you know you have number endless endless amounts of money going into that race um, and so when you have that coupled up with the money the kind of the state of where we're at in today's politics, 
uh, unfortunately, uh, is a recipe for, for exactly that. I don't, and I don't think that, you know, um, and I think the fact that, that people or, or candidates themselves are actually saying what they're saying and they believe what they're saying, although they're lies and all this, all this stuff that comes along with what they're saying, they believe it and they're telling people you have to believe it and they're questioning the, you know, the, the standard bearers that are coming in to say, like, this is not right, this is not true, and they're saying that the news is fake. So they're putting all these questioning things, factors out there that makes the, the voter not able to um, comprehend what's going on, and it gets them confused, I believe. Well, and I think <clears throat> if we go back to something that you said earlier um, regarding um, power, and that this is mm-hmm. just about power. I mean, yes, the voter can be confused, but when you know, is that 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 adage they say, "Are you going to believe me or your lying eyes?" Are you, you know, mm-hmm. so right, if these right. the, and and one of these um, political blocks, and that's what they call them, uh, they call themselves evangelicals. I call them a political block because they're using their churches to actually go out and campaign for people. These evangelicals are such hypocrites. One moment they're praising Lord and Jesus Christ and saving, and the next moment they're saying, oh, we're going to support Donald Trump and and Herschel Walker Mm -hmm. and these candidates they know don't represent the values they claim they have on Sunday morning. And so it's just Mm -hmm. hypocritical. And yet they have such political power and they're using that power just to maintain these political offices. It's not to put in a value-based system based on any Christian values. It's based on p- pure political power. And, and who's able to call them out on this? And, and is that such a touchy subject that we just can't say it for what it is? Because it's hip- hypocritical at its core. 100% and, and, and absolutely you hit the, the nail on the head. Um, you know, that's what I tell people. I believe how, or when I have a conversation with somebody, I said, "How can you, you know, when I was raised, and most of uh, people who were raised, you know, you lied to me once, maybe okay, I'll still talk to you, and and, and we'll carry on. You lied to me twice, you're done. You know, uh, and now we have these people that just outright lie to the camera, face the camera, all day, every day. So here's what I think needs to happen." And uh, you're absolutely right, Maria. We have to call out these people. And I think we need to be stronger as Democrats and call it out for what it is, you know, um, because if we don't, then this, this is the kind of thing that we're, that, that we're faced with. And this is the thing that we're going to have to fight for, not just for this election, but for many elections down the line. And who knows what they're going to do uh, when, if they come to power, right? Um, so... So you're absolutely right. Um, I think we as Democrats, and I know I call them out uh, as much as I can if I have an opportunity to, because I think we have to, and we must do it, because you're right, it's hypocritical. It is, it is, it is ungodly, if you want to use that word. Um, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't go with anything that they're saying, and we have to call them out for the hypocritical hypocrites that they are and the liars that they are. Well, and let's let's talk about a few issues. We're going to have a um, a, a musical break in, in a while, but I want to talk to you about a few things. One, the influence of money. We have billionaires now who are trying to influence these races. 
or do they really have a political penchant or is it that they just want to control the country to in order to make more money what is we we see there's more money in this election than there's been in any election in US history but will probably even go up higher for the presidential election um so this influence of money what do these billionaires want outside of power i mean what what is it that they really want well I mean, you know, that's 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 a good question, and 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 I think you know, it is. Yeah, they 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 want to maintain power. They want to maintain the status quo that they're used to, and what they are seeing that that, that they want to continue on with. Um, look, the only way that we're going to be able to get rid of this is we, you know, we have to go and we have to do campaign finance reform. We have to go and we have to say, you know. There ha- we have to, well, first, that's the first thing. The second thing, there has to be the political will, not just on the, on, on the Democratic side, but on the Republican side. And that's, that's what the issue is. A lot of these folks are so worried and so dependent upon big donors and big money that they won't buck the system because they can't. Um, again, you know, we need to do campaign finance reform and we need to look at that. Uh, and, and actually... You know, the other thing that we might need to, to look at, too, and, and I'm revealing my thoughts on this, is, is what about term limits? What do we do about that? Is that something that we got to do? But we got to find the political will on both sides of the party, uh, both parties, in order to do that, though. So going back to the funding, we now have the top, you know, wealthiest people giving even higher percentages of money. Elon Musk, the world's richest mm-hmm. man now. Um, and owner of a device, Twitter, that can communicate with the world, is now mm-hmm. sending out a tweet saying, and I quote in this tweet, to independent-minded voters, shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, given that the presidency is Democratic. He sends this out. Yeah. So we, you know, the, who else has the influence to send out something to millions upon millions of people um, with his political views and, and, and then has the money to back it up? I mean, what kind of what kind of world? This is not even what kind of country are we living in? What kind of world are we living in that the average voter now has to compete with Elon Musk? Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely um, it's absolutely wrong. Um you know, there's that, that his his role isn't uh, shit. Or, or, I mean, I guess he's he, he's a he's an independent person. He can do whatever he wants. Um, you know, at the end of the day, but he needs to be responsible about saying, you know what, go vote. Period. That's it. Like you, um, and it's just about. The, I think it goes back to some uh, some of these folks like Elon Musk. That is, um, you know, an egotistical person, and they want to. Con- everything they feel like they should and they and that they can so I think they've used this as an opportunity to do so and I think it's incumbent upon not only him as the person who who owns Twitter now and who has this platform but it's incumbent upon our elected officials to actually examine this too and actually take a stand and say no we're not going to feed such power to one individual because the power shouldn't lie with one person it should lie with the voters of the country of the world and whatever respective country you're in um and so you know this is something that again we're gonna have to review this is something 
that you know is, is a new territory for for the world. Uh, and how do how do we how do we um, monitor social media? How do we make sure that they're not using it for bad things like Elon Musk or for for all for, for the master of using it in the wrong way was, was Donald Trump, right? So these are these are things that have to be looked at in the House and the Senate, and that is precisely one of the reasons why this election is so important, because we need to take these tough issues and we need to look at them and examine them with people that are capable of doing it and not slanted uh, as a MAGA, uh, MAGA extremist or, um, you know, and, and, and um, do what's good for the people of every respective country. So let's just also very quickly talk about the Russians. And it, I, I remember back in the day when I was growing up because of the Cold War, there was this animosity between the United States or Democratic countries and Russia back then in the very beginning, the Soviet Union before the Soviet Union fell. Now we have... Um, this this mindset that the Russians are our friends, even though the same people, and there are people listening to this program right now who believe in democracy, but also believe that it's okay to have Russians uh, meddling in our elections. And the Russians have said they have worked and meddled in our elections. They're going to continue to interfere in our elections. And that is what they do. And so... But they, but then we have these people who are listeners right now who still support the Russians and still believe there's nothing wrong with that. So one of my major questions and concerns has been and continues to be these people who are pro-democratic and yet at the same time believe in voter suppression, believe that they can say or do anything they want as long as, you know, somebody who has a lot of money supports them and also believes that this country can still stand under the weight of all of this continued uh, uh, abuse of democracy. And I and I don't understand. In the, and if you could just tell perhaps the, the listener, how is it that this 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 very um I, I guess gently balanced thing we call democracy can't take the mm-hmm. weight of constant voter suppression. It was, you know, and, and, and this idea of pro-democracy has to mean more than the word democracy. It has to mean more than that. And and I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what people are defining when they're defining democracy, but I just look at this thinking, how can you be pro-Russian interference in our elections and, and still pro-democracy? It's very simple. You can't be. You cannot be. Because if you're, because our democracy was based on the premise that everybody should have the right to vote, no matter race, creed, religion, right? Everybody has the right to vote. And I, this is a kind of an, a personal issue for me because uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I was at the, uh, the national political director at the DNC when we got hacked. So I know exactly what they're capable of doing. And my personal information from my birthday to my social security number to my personal mailing address where I was receiving hate mail from people because I was a Democrat um, is is wrong. And, you know, that is, you know, and and the fact that people want to suppress that vote because they don't feel like people should vote that might be of a particular uh, race is, is absolutely insane. The only way that we can have our voices heard 
have our 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 ideas represented or you know is is how we vote and how we go to vote the second reason why i am you know uh, super uh sensitive to the fact that voter suppression is a problem or and it is a real thing is because i recently just dealt with that like this this election i asked for my absentee ballot so that i could vote because i'm here with you in boston um and I asked for this about five weeks ago. Nothing, no, I didn't receive my, my ballot. Called the county clerk and said, I haven't received my ballot. Where is it? This was on the 30th. Oh, we sent it out on the 28th. Okay, great. I received my ballot yesterday. And I was prepared to fly back to go vote because that's how important voting is to me and how important it should be to everyone because, again, it is our right to vote. It is our right use that vote to, 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 to use our voice. And within that ballot, there was a big, bright yellow paper that said, you have to have this ballot in by today, November 8th, at 7 p.m. If you don't get it in by then, it doesn't count, basically. The other thing was is that the only way that your vote is going to count is if it was postmarked seven days prior to election day. So how is that going to happen? That can't happen because either I'm going to have to fly back, or you know, uh, and because I can't post, uh, you know, po- uh, posting it. So what I had to do is I had to next day air it to a family member and have them turn it in for me. I unfortunately enough that I'm able to do that and figure that out, but most people can't. And if they can do that to 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 me, who is a civically engaged person. Uh, and, and an active voter votes every every possibility I can. Who 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 knows what else they're doing out there? You know, we know some of this stuff. And and the fact that you are saying that you're pro democracy, you're pro democratic, when our country right now is literally on the fringes of potentially not being a democratic uh, country, is insane to me. So you can't have it both ways. Uh, and the fact that you know, if you're pro. Putin pro Russia uh, at this point in time, it, 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 it causes concern for me uh, and those people that are, are touting what, what, what Putin and Russians are doing. You step our election. Yeah, and and I I think also on this we're gonna um, go ahead and 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 end with with this. Um, um, here we are on the midterms. Everybody keeps saying this is the most historic election. They said that the last election. They said that the election before yeah. that. So when they keep calling this the most historic election, vote or die, all this, you know, uh, it, it just gets to the point where sometimes people think um, we're calling where they used to say back in the day, selling wolf tickets. But it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. we're calling everything um, the most historic election. Um, after a while, it just, just doesn't have the same ring to it. So why is this election more historic than any other election in your estimation? Yeah, well, so here's the other thing. I don't, I don't use for historic election. I use consequential election. And the reason why it's consequential is because literally if we don't have people in office that support and uphold the Constitution and will, 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 will – Admit that they lost the race because they didn't just because they think they won and call it a false 
election uh, is 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 uh, is wrong. And yes, I get it because we say that every single time because unfortunately, it has been an important election, just with different consequences, right? You know, I remember back in '04, uh, it was like, okay, well, we're, we, you know, it's about the Supreme Court again. It's about the Supreme Court this time. So, unfortunately, every single election that we have, there has been so much shenanigans, if you want to use that word, that has been going on in our country from the other side, the Republicans or the extreme Republicans. Uh, but that's a whole other topic. Like, why haven't they done something to stop the extreme uh, Republicans? Uh, and so it keeps compounding itself and why it's so important. And I get it, but, you know, th- but this one is consequential. Because this, this election has consequences on our Constitution, on our ability to vote, on, the, uh, on who they think people should vote, and the fact that they're just saying things that is, are not factually true. Uh, and, and, and when you have people that can, like, like the uh, candidate in Arizona, Ms. Lake, who literally says everything that you're hearing is not true, only what I say is true, is pretty scary. Uh, and it's pretty scary uh, that people, that she's saying it and that she knows that it's going to resonate and resonate right. deeply with enough right. people that she has a chance to win. And just think, it, yeah. to, to say that, I mean, you, you, it's like Animal Farm. And we're, yeah. we're now in this, this situation where whoever has access to a microphone is able to yeah. say whatever they want to say. And my, and my mm-hmm. concern then is the, the need for us as a community to mm-hmm. actually have um, critical thinking skills. And in kindergarten through 12th grade, the idea was to give um, young people the background for critical thinking skills so that they can mm-hmm. be told mm-hmm. many things but could discern what is actually mm-hmm. true. And now with all of these phones we have, laptops, et cetera, to look up and you can find for yourself whether or not it's true. And so to just sit there and blindly, like, believe something without even using your brain to think if, you know, uh, and not trusting that anybody has the credibility to actually say something to you that may be true and therefore you can believe them. To believe anybody because you're in a silo and they say, just believe me and no one else, is almost cult-like. Oh, and I think, th- yeah, and that's what I'm I'm really concerned about because people maybe didn't know they were being, you know, you know sucked into a cult, but... If somebody says, believe me and only me and don't ever think about anybody else, don't look up anything, just believe what I say and that's it. That's a cult. 100%. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 and thanks to, to, to you and having this type, this type of programming where there is a, a forum and a place to actually discuss these kinds of things so that people can uh, listen and, and hopefully decide for themselves, you know. Uh, but you're absolutely right, and that's that's the super scary part about it all. Like, and they're doing it using the media to to to, to do what they're doing, which is also crazy. And sometimes the media doesn't push back, and that's the responsibility responsibility of, of the media too. So there's just a whole bunch of things that are compounded uh, that make this again the most consequential election that we'll have in our lifetime at this point in time. 
Well, I want to thank you, Raul Avalar, and he is at this point a fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School, but he has been the national political director at the Democratic National Committee, and you have led political political strategy. You served in the Obama administration. You've served in the housing and urban development. Um, Secretary Under Secretary um, Donovan, you've done so much, and um, we thank you for taking your time out to be with us this morning. Well, thank you so much for having me on uh, your show, Professor, and uh, thank you for all that you do to make sure our democracy is, 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 is preserved. So thank you. Thank you. This is Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. We're going to take a short musical break, but we want to hear from you, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. We are a little bit short on time, so um, and it could be, oh, everything you just said was such malarkey. Um, I don't know why you're saying it, too. Yes, our democracy is in trouble, or I voted this morning and I feel good. I want to hear from you. 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. And you know why? It's because you'll never find somebody who cares as much about their listeners as I do. And we'll be right back after this. Voice 
And Lou Rawls is telling us you'll never find. So, and that's what I believe on WBAI 99.5 FM, WBAI.org, wherever you are in New York City, in the tri-state area, across the country, and other parts of the world. They're listening to WBAI for a reason, because you'll never find a station that cares as much about you as we do. You're on the air for Law of the Land. Good morning. Good morning. It's Judith from the Upper West Side. And I wish one day you would interview Michael Moore. He, his predictions and, and every, all his commentaries, are you familiar with them? He's been sending them on the Internet. Have you seen them? I haven't seen it recently, but it's, it sounds like if you can get a connection for me to interview oh, I him, don't. I will. I, I, I don't have that, but I must tell you, he made some really sensible statements. He said... How is a young woman going to be more concerned with the price of eggs and gas over the prospect of having the government control her ability to choose what to do with her body? Things like that. Really sensible points. Google it. Look for it on the Internet. It's just wonderful. Well, I will do that. Thank you for all your work. I'll get off the phone. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Um, I want you to know, as I I mentioned uh, previously, and you may not um, know this, but um, this semester I am a fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, right outside of, of Boston. I flew down last night so that I would be in New York City to vote today because I was concerned about my absentee ballot actually making it, something that um, my guest, Raul Alvalar, mentioned, that his absentee ballot had some little tricky components to it that he could not have been able to use it to effectively vote. So I said, you know what, I'm coming down here to cast my vote in person. That is what my vote means to me. That's what voting means to me. Some of you know I've written the book, The Voting Rights War, and the Voting Rights War book shows from hundreds of years up to present just how this has been a battle over the vote. It's a war, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, and there are injuries. There are murders and deaths that have been around the right to vote. So I want you to go out and vote. And you may say, well, the candidate I want to vote for already has plenty of votes. But you need to vote anyway because you don't want to get out of the habit of voting. You don't want to have it be something that you just have in the background. You also want your young people to come with you. So grandparents, aunties and uncles and others have your young people come with you so they can see you cast a ballot. That's what my parents used to do. They used to take me with them when they voted. My mother used to get up early in the morning before she went to work and she had to be at work at 730 in the morning and she would get up early and she'd be the one of the first. She always wanted to be the first or the second person in line to vote. That's how important it has been in my family. Is how important it is to me. Um, we have another listener on the line. Good morning. You're on Law of the Land. I'm Gloria J. Brown Marshall. Good morning. What would you like to tell us? Hello, Gloria? Yes. Yeah, uh, I wanted to say something. You said that the Russians were interfering in our election? Yes. I don't think so. At any great, at any great level. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to actually tell you there's a quote, a sir. No. There's actually a quote from the Russians, and they actually said, gentlemen, this is a quote, we have been, inter- we have interfered, we do interfere, and we will interfere. 
And this is um, Yevgeny Preg- Pregnison, known as Putin's chef. He posted it. it he posted it. Quote, we will do it carefully, precisely, surgically, as we are capable of doing it. During our targeted operations, we will remove both kidneys and liver at once, end quote. So they have said, they've continued to say, it's not a matter of whether or not they are interfering in the U.S. elections. They've been interfering in U.S. elections for for at least 50 to 60 years. So that's not a, that's not the question. It's like where they're interfering in the, but you're saying you don't believe they're interfering at all. That the Russians, it was the Russians who put the problem of uh, messing up the, uh, the elections in, in uh, Georgia and in, 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 in the South. The problem with, with these elections is we elected Democrats who are not in the Democratic Party, like Manchin. He's in charge of the Congress. He's the one who stopped a lot of bills. They couldn't close the port. The, uh, the, uh, 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 where you, where you, where you override the veto. I mean, not the veto, the, uh, the Senate. It was him and Manchin and, and, and uh, the ladies of cinema. And they had the vote, but they didn't vote with him. But what if, what if it, but, 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 sir, what if it's both? Okay, I know you're, I, wait a minute, I know you're excited, but just calm down a little bit. What if it's both? So I'm saying I agree with you that they did what they did, but what if it's both them as well as the Russians in our elections? What do you think about that? The laws that the Republicans have pushed through where black people are, are, are standing online for five and six hours, that wasn't done by the Russians. But I'm saying what if it's both? No, you have, but are you... Our elections. our elections are messed up because the Republicans and the Democrats basically fall to the ruling class. All of them. That's why they couldn't get through different laws. That's why they had a unanimous vote on sending a hundred and million a hundred billion dollars to fight in the Ukraine. It was it was uh it was a unanimous support. Okay. But you don't think there could be both. You could you don't think there could be um a voter suppression um, uh, Democrats who can't get their act together, as well as interference from Russia. I say the Russians have nothing in messing up our elections. Our elections are messed up because the will of the Democratic Party is to always support the people who are the donors. That's the problem. That's why the president only wanted to forgive $20,000 in loans instead of the whole shebang. If they, if they had to give up the whole shebang or those things, but he, could, he probably couldn't get it through. And he might have been, because actually a lot of that money is controlled by the, by the president himself. He could have he could have wiped out all that debt. That would have gave him a bigger majority in terms of the people coming out to vote. And another thing, the Democrats didn't do voter registration in certain places. Now they're in trouble in New York on the governor's race. They didn't do voter registration. Well, but, no, and I, but I'm... Socialists might get some of those jobs like uh, that lady from Queens in, in, in Manhattan. Okay. okay. Well, oh, oh, yeah. OAC. Okay, so I'm going to let you go. I'm going to, but I'm, I'm going to let you get the last word, but make it short. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's your last they word? Spent a whole, they spent a whole lot of money in Texas to get rid of this lady who was pro, who was anti-abortion. 
and they, they voted for a guy who was for abortion. And the Democratic Party went all out for him. They went all out to, to okay. kill a lady in, Re- in, in, uh, in Michigan, in, in Wisconsin. They went all out. They spent extra money. Okay. All right. Remember, I, I said you could have the last word, but you had to make it short. So we're going to go to the next caller. Thank you for calling in. Um, we're going to the next caller. And um, this is this has really been interesting. I also, if you have some chance, I'd like to, to have some more input around what's going on locally in our local elections. If you voted, I want to hear from you. Can we hear from a voter, please? All right. And who's on the line? This is Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. Good morning, Gloria. Good morning. This is a uh, brother Shaw out of uh, Harlem, and uh, to tackle one of your uh, questions you threw out there was uh, these people have power, and what else do they want? And I'll just quote uh, Jefferson: "Absolute power, that's what they want." Mm-hmm. Okay. Now concerning, I like to set a premise that people who own the country should rule the country. Now. That may seem like an oxymoron, but if you look at the Supreme Court ruling, Citizens United, that a corporation is a person and it can contribute money, that should give you an idea of how this thing is running. Even though they may have people like Herschel Walker and other people that I call them useful idiots, they are helping to rule the country and then the point you brought out concerning the uh, the Indian school. We as black people, we have been um, you say, embedded with the American empire for two, 300 years and 400. So there is a process, a slow process of assimilation. And we may look at it as, oh, we're on the winning side, but you don't want to destroy your blood memory or as a uh, the sociologist uh, W.E.B. Du Bois talked about in the Philadelphia Negro in the book. But I don't want to go on too long, but just to rehash what I said, you say, who wants the power? Why do they want this power? They want absolute power. And in order to do that, to rule this country, they have to create and get behind laws that would give them that power to rule the country. And thank you for allowing me. And please don't run away to Harvard. We need you here, black women. We need you here. I love you, and I know other people love you, too. Okay, you take care. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And you know, my listeners, you know I appreciate you. Because I'm a tired sister right now. But I said, I am going to do my show. It's important for us to do this on um, this election day. We have time for another caller. If we have another caller, I want to hear somebody who voted. I have not voted yet. I told you I flew back down in order to vote because I didn't want the shenanigans going on with my absentee ballot. And so... um, I am going to be voting. We have another caller. Yes, make sure you get out and vote for one of the two puppets. Okay. <laughs> so, so, did you vote today? Okay. 
All right. And so here we are at the end of our show. And thank you so much. And once again, if you have a chance to go to the U.S. Supreme Court website, just put in U.S. Supreme Court and the website will come up. You'll have a chance to look at the docket, D-O-C-K-E-T. Look at the docket, the calendar, and that will have the U.S. Supreme Court cases on it. You can follow those cases, listen to those cases, um, and even read the transcript. Thank you so much for being such a great, great listening family. If you can, be my BAI buddy. Um, please give to WBAI. Keep us on the air. We have to pay the light bill and everything else. But I just want to say thank you for being part of our BAI family, and I have missed you. And be my BAI buddy. This has been Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. And I always like to say thank you, Michael G., and I'll see you. on the radio.